0: in the world of hollywood movies get greenlit and redlit they get remade and rebooted but we are the ideal i'm sam gash and you are listening to ideal remake Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. And thank you to my audience for returning for this sixth season. Part of why I love you is because you've seen who we are. We use your dead as vessels. And we're here. Rocking our corpse bodies. Just like my guest, Connor Buhajer. So, Connor, is Dark City a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? Should be,
1: must be, morally imperative that it be remade.
0: Great. Post-taste. Perfect. <laughs> Good. Connor, welcome so much to I Do Remake. I didn't throw anything or drop anything.
1: Hey, hey, it's just a pen. No big deal. And thank you for having me on.
0: Tell me a little bit about yourself. And then I'm going to ask you about your history with the movie.
1: Sure. Union organizer by day. By weekends, I do big take walking as extra side jobs. History with the movie. My mom let me stay up way too late on a Friday night, and we randomly had, I think it was Encore. She she splurged for the big cable package. So, yeah, so I was able to watch, at the age of eight, Dark City. And I remember in the first half just thinking, this is is the scariest or, like, most mind-bending thing I'd ever seen. And I was probably too young to understand it, but I knew I had to go back to it. So I think I rewatched it as, like, a 15-year-old. Of course, after The Matrix came out, thinking like, like on that same level of just absolute amazement at the sort of uh, depth of the speculation.
0: I don't think I processed that this came out before The Matrix.
1: Bro, they shared sets with The Matrix. And yeah, it was like a release a year before. uh, The Matrix reused some of its sets and they were filmed in Australia for the same reason, to save money. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea. That's awesome. Yeah. It's. Uh, I think they ma- mention it on the Matrix commentary where uh, Joel Silver's like, "Oh yeah, we have to move this to Australia because we can't afford the labor cost of it."
0: Ah, okay. Brad. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, like you watch this and, and like the Matrix similarities are so obvious and apparent. Yep. But then like. Honestly, a lot of the the CGI in this movie, I thought, like, was really cool and held up. Like, when the city starts shifting and moving, and you're like, whoa. Because it was practical. Like,
1: it it was literally, like, these are clearly, like, uh, individual pieces. And pretty much all the big set piece stuff was done. It wasn't by Phil Tippett, but by his apprentices in that, like, uh, Long John Carpenter line. So all, like, the apartment buildings were associated with him. And the bigger stuff that aged more poorly, like the little, like, energy vampire dailies was yeah what was done on computer
0: awesome wow okay i thought it was all computer but if it was practical that's so much more impressive that's very very cool yeah so when i asked you to be on the show you you immediately went to dark city and i guess the obvious question follow-up to that is like how often are you thinking about this movie that this is the one that you immediately picked at least i say i think about dark city two
1: times a week and Knife. that's okay. that's not the upper bound of uh, how frequently I think about movies, but the fact that it was so ambitious and crossing genres at a time when crossing genres was much less commonplace. Because you basically get a fake-out for the first, what, 45, 50 minutes? You think it's a yeah. neo-noir murder mystery, and then it turns into a speculative sci-fi allegory about the nature of the human soul?
0: Well, a little bit, like... I wasn't expecting a speculative nature into the uh, nature of the human soul. I was expecting a lot more sci-fi. I realized after I gave Amazon my $3 to rent the movie that <laughs> I, I'd gotten just like kind of the basic version and there's a longer director's cut. So I did not watch the director's cut.
1: Without that
0: introductory voiceover. It, I got So the director's cut doesn't have that. Yeah. See, that's kind of what guided me because I was like, oh, okay, I kind of know what I'm in for with this introductory voiceover. Uh... I'm hearing... I'm hearing what uh, Dr. Daniel Schraber is like, I have betrayed humanity. Yeah. I, I go in and I help, I steal a soul from one body and I put it in another. Yeah.
1: Everyone is memories. Yeah, UK, uh, sorry, New Line UK made Alex Proyas add that in post. They were like, nobody's nope, going to get it. So they Blade Runnered him.
0: Wow. Okay. Interesting. So then you will know better than I did. What else am I missing from that 11 minute director's cut? Like, What else is in that version that I did not see? It's primarily fleshed
1: out Bumstead and his question of love, uh, like, if you remember, he poses like, I'm being punished, aren't I? After like putting down the accordion, we get little extra bits with the strangers. And if I'm recalling correctly, we get an Emma by herself scene, which was cut mostly just for like redundancy purposes. Fair enough. I mean, what would she even do? Just look sadder? Yeah. She has to look really, really contemplative about being a lounge singer.
0: It's a tall order. I guess. All right. Eh, Fair enough. Okay. This was obviously my first watch of the movie and it was very weird, but it was, I I went in with like no expectations. I knew nothing about what this movie was about. Great. Good for
1: you.
0: Yeah. And so I just like, I just got to like go for the ride of just like the craziness. And part of the thing that I'm going to want to do with our remake is it, it starts introducing a lot of ideas that are really cool and interesting but then it doesn't keep following through on those ideas a lot. Like, I referenced it in, in the intro that I did where we use your dead as vessels. Yeah. And, like, just that was really interesting. That's a movie. I thought, yeah, that's a movie on its own. Especially because, like, in this movie, all of the strangers, all of the, like, weird aliens who don't completely understand us and who we don't completely understand are all just, like, weird bald white guys.
1: Yeah, yeah. They're pale androgynes who are totally shorn. There's one child— and they're all men, if I recall. I don't remember uh, a single
0: woman. Right, exactly. And the, the one child, if anything, makes it worse. That was awesome. <laughs> can't
1: well, hand. The, child,
0: <laughs> the child's weird and freaky. Yeah. But it's entirely, like, incoherent to the point they're trying to make of, like, the child still behaves in a childlike way when they're just in, inhabiting a dead body. Mm. And it's just, like, it doesn't behave like any of the other strangers. Internally inconsistent, I see. Yeah, that that's the issue. And so, like, for me... I wanted I wanted a lot more body switching. Like, they do it once. At the beginning of the movie, as John Murdoch is leaving the hotel room where he wakes up and finds yeah. the dead body, he leaves and the concierge says a line to him. is like, oh, well, you're three weeks overdue and this, that, and the other thing. Cash and on then the barrel he head, yeah. Yeah, and then he leaves. And then in a scene later, there's another guy doing those exact same lines. Yeah. And that's the only time that happens. And that's the part that I was like, I don't just, I don't uh, know what just happened. That's so weird. Right. But it only happens that once yep. and I wanted that to be happening all the time. Yeah. Like I I didn't do this in my casting cuz that would have been insane. But like I want Inspector Frank Bumstead to be three or four different people over the course of the movie. Mm. And the only way we can tell that it's Dr uh, that's that it's the uh, that it's Bumstead is based on the like costume that the same that the person's wearing. Yeah, same
1: trench coat or whatever.
0: Yeah. And like we we literally have May the the uh, the uh, sex worker who yeah. uh, saves Murdoch at the automat. Thank you. The, yeah, the sad like... food
1: dispensary that only existed in 1945 to
0: 1948. Well, yeah, but it's also the automat, and I'm like, but uh, in my head, automat's like a laundry service. Yes, so it's like you go to get your laundry, but you also go to get a sandwich.
1: It's one of those neologisms that didn't survive the Cold War era. Very much.
0: They, so. they were just like, we gotta sweep this
1: one on the rug. It's a, it's a downer.
0: But, like, we have this character of May who's then killed. Yeah. But, like, then that makes her a dead body, which means that she could be possessed by one of the strangers. Yes. And well, that doesn't happen.
1: Yes. Within the internal, like, secondary logic of the power system, would just inhabiting the body also give them her memories? I don't think so.
0: No, I don't think so. Ah. But but it's her body in a completely different role. Right. Like, uh, I mean, obviously this is after Mr. Hand got John Murdoch's memories. But, like, if she'd been killed and then she became, like, the person who became inhabited by Mr. Hand who then got the memory. Like, you could do all these extra, like, different things of, like, I never felt completely wrong-footed. And I felt like you could totally memento this and just be, like oh, man, I don't understand what the fuck's going on.
1: Yeah, you, you if you wanted to, you could make the audience question reality. Um, I've heard the Dark City described by, like, the eggheads in, like, The Village Voice as, like, a rehash of too many sci-fi tropes, especially Metropolis, which I don't pretend yeah. to understand, but I think he elected to go in so many directions that it prevented him from taking a deep dive into one, which is what you're pitching, and I think is really smart.
0: Well... Well, let's take a step back. Well, let's go through the movie briefly as it exists, because I imagine some people listening right now have not seen Dark City.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm in. So how does Dark City begin, with or without the the, the opening monologue? How, in your idealized version of we're, uh, we're telling people the story, how do you begin telling them about Dark City? A man wakes up in the
1: most cinematic noir bathroom I have ever seen in my life, with yes, no memory true. of who he is or how he got there.
0: yes. And he finds a little trickle of blood from the center of his forehead between his eyebrows, yes, and he walks out and finds a dead a, a dead lady there first, he
1: finds a goldfish which he heroically saves and puts in the toilet uh in the bathtub or the toilet uh it just looks like a vat of water in the script it was it was toilet, but it could be bathtub,
0: fair enough, yeah, I don't know, I don't remember. Um, but yeah, he, he, he's disoriented and he knocks over the goldfish bowl, but he saves the goldfish and, and puts it in the toilet. Yeah. And then, then finds the dead body and then kind of like goes wandering around and we're starting to discover and has no memory of who he is. Right. Um, as he's leaving the hotel, the, this concierge is like, you've paid for three weeks, your three weeks are up.
1: Yes. And significantly he finds a lot of stuff he doesn't recognize when he's clothing himself because he wakes up uh, half-naked or fully naked, including, naked. Uh, including like, a key to a house that he doesn't recognize, the domicile. Mm-hmm. And as he's about to leave, we get a shot of these like pale corpse-looking beings walking down a hallway, basically in hot pursuit of him.
0: Yeah, but he... It... He gets a call from a mysterious person who turns out to be uh, Dr. Daniel Schraber, uh, basically saying, they're after you, they're no, they know you're there, get out of there. And he's like, oh, okay, Morpheus, I'm I mean, <laughs> a mysterious stranger. Yeah. I'll get out of here while these carbon copies of each other come after me and I don't understand their uh, presence.
1: I'll get out of here before these not-agents apprehend me and take me back to the blue pill world. Uh-huh,
0: exactly. <laughs> And so he goes on the run, and he, he gets told that he left his wallet at the automat. Right. He goes to retrieve it, and that's where he finds his ID, who he is, all that information. And he retrieves it by... Oh, uh, using his mental powers to open the, yes, the door. Yes, which
1: surprise he has. He has some form of limited telekinesis, where if he focuses hard enough, we get a little, like, water ripple effect on screen. So the wall, wall is trapped behind the automat little door he doesn't have any change to open it up but he uses telekinesis opens it up and finds among other things his picture of a woman which who later Mm -hmm. found out is his wife emma the lounge singer
0: and i'm going to go back and make a correction because we will later find out that it's not telekinesis it is reality bending which is a different superpower (sighs) okay nerd Yeah. I'm gonna be a nerd about it. <laughs> yeah, that's they're airbending, bend- it's not water bending, they're different skill sets, bro. They are. I mean he's bending reality. Like he can shape and manipulate reality, which includes telekinesis, like, and telekinesis wouldn't include those sorts this, of things. This is like the every square is a rectangle type deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I,
1: I, <laughs> I, every, I beg forgiveness. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh so he he goes and Oh, to get out of this, the automat, some cops are like, hey, buddy, what you doing? He's like, nothing, man. I don't know. I don't even know my name. (laughs) Um, And he ends up getting saved by uh, the sex worker named May. Who kind of, like, takes him back to her place. By the way, the most wholesome woman I've ever seen on screen. Seriously, She's just so nice. (laughs) Just, like, the nicest person. And then she, like, gets him back and is like, so I assume now that we're here, you would like to pay for sex? And he's like, oh, gosh, golly gee, ma'am. Oh, shucks. I just saw this picture of some woman who I don't actually remember, but I feel bad. But also, it's like... It, it, they just spend that whole walk back talking about, you know, there's a killer out there killing sex workers. So, uh, about this oh murderer, gosh. who does that? Yeah, yeah but you're, you seem like you're too nice to be a murderer. Anyway, I'm going to go be naked for a moment. I hope you don't betray me.
1: That was her explanation. And that was the funniest shit I've ever
0: heard. Yeah, I think she actually that, says,
1: why should I be worried? <laughs> something like
0: that. But then it turns out like he has these flashes of maybe I should kill her. But he's like, no, I'm going to go. And she's like, darn no ah, sale tonight Fiddlesticks! sticks my coffers are empty ah yes coffers <laughs> And and then so then he finds and meets his wife and who it turns out cheated on him or something
1: yes and he's been gone from home for three weeks and hasn't returned
0: and he she has been told that he's having a mental breakdown and she thinks he's punishing her for having cheated on him which just makes him sound like a great guy yeah I mean, John Murdoch, killer of women, noted paragon of virtue. Indeed. And then we kind of start learning more and more. And like, he has to go on a run because Inspector Frank Bumstead is after him. Right. Bumstead finds the dead body in the hotel room, finds information that it was Murdoch's room, is going after him, and has taken over the case from Walensky, who has uh, gone bananas. A complete nervous breakdown. So Bumstead is convinced Murdoch's the killer, and is basically just trying to track him down. And so so now Murdoch has this detective and these weird alien monsters after him. Right. And he gets cornered by the weird alien monsters, and he's able to, like, use his reality bending to, like, get away and be safe.
1: And in the process, accidentally kill one, who we later find out is named Mr. Hand, and when the top of Mr. Hand's head gets cut off, what emerges is like a jellyfish got busy with a prawn, but it's a translucent one. And Murdoch yeah. obviously looks on in horror.
0: Yeah, it's one of the aliens from the Abyss, yes. <laughs>
1: nice. <laughs> <laughs> the James Cameron extended version, not, not the theatrical run.
0: More running around, more figuring things out. Basically, we're learning that John Murdoch is kind of like waking up. He wasn't supposed to wake up, and he has this ability called tuning, which is the reality bending that the aliens have. Right. And we're learning that the aliens are completely manipulating this city. And so John Murdoch learns about Surf City. And so he's trying to get to Surf City because that's where his memories are. Shell Beach, but minor point. Shell Beach. I'm so sorry. Surf City is a different thing. (laughs) Shell Beach. And so he's trying to get there and he's doing everything he can to get to Shell Beach. And all all roads lead just back into the city. Yes. And no matter how hard he tries, he can't make it work. And when he asks, inquires at at numerous people,
1: Bumstead, cab driver... They all say, of course I've been to Shell Beach, but when he says, tell me how you get there, their memory has a strange black hole in it that they're never able to bridge.
0: Yeah, and when he asks someone on the train, how do you get to Shell Beach, uh, a passerby is like, oh, you take the express train, yes. but the express train never stops. Yes. and Which I also thought was interesting, because well, here's a def- definitive answer. I can't use that one. Can I have another, please? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, he has he has a definitive answer, but that's one of the SS abandoned
1: plot lines that just phew. We see the express train once, and then mm-hmm. okay, moving
0: on back to Emma yeah. and Bumstead. Do we is the express train what uh, Wolenski jumps in front of, or is it just a different train? I don't think we actually saw the express sign,
1: but I would that would, uh, that would be mm, artistic points if it were actually an express train that he jumps in
0: front of. Gotta get to Shell Beach. So basically. As we learn more and more, like, and people get more roped into it, and Bumstead learns there's more more than meets the eye, Mm -hmm. and Emma is also there. We (laughs) learn that basically, like this, like the 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 aliens are controlling it; they're manipulating it. At midnight, everyone in the city falls asleep. Yes, except Murdoch, because Murdoch has been removed from the system through a weird glitch in the matrix. I mean, in the dark city, in the not matrix. So he gets to see these aliens completely manipulate and change the city and move people from one place to another and change who they are fundamentally as people. Yes.
1: Through a literal syringes with different admixtures of various psychological traumas, they're able Mm -hmm. to redefine who people are. And significantly, Dr. Schraber is the mixologist of memory.
0: What a great title. First of all... Take it. Ex- excellently done at <laughs> just, just perfect. The mixology of memory <laughs> oh. or the mixologist of memory. Per- oh my God. Top tier. Excellent. Thank, Love that. Th- thank
1: you. you, you it's Sunday afternoon, man, high point
0: of creativity. It's all downhill from here for the rest of the week. Yep. Yep. I'm, uh, and we're, we're really tapping in. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sp- yeah, Spending so it like, on the important stuff. And, and so basically like we see all like the, this manipulation of the world and, we, we spent basically Act 2 running from these aliens. and like much. Dr. Schraber is like, no, Murdoch, you're the savior. You can get us out of here. You can fight them off. You have the power. And like, Murdoch's like, no, I have to get away from everybody. I have to get to Shell Beach. And it's just manipulations and trying to figure things out. And eventually we find out that we're not even on Earth anymore. We're in a giant floating city in the middle of space. Which,
1: what a great reveal that was, by the way.
0: That caught me so off guard. like nice. Murdoch and Bumstead... Get on a boat, just like, like, just going in a direction and getting as far as they can. And they get to a, like, they get to Shell Beach. Like, and there's a moment when they open a door and you can see the blue sky beyond the door. I'm like, oh my God, (sighs) they made it. And he steps outside and it's just the, like, the. the, It's a billboard! Billboard, thank (laughs) you. It's a giant billboard. And it was like, oh my God, that was such an amazing twist. (sighs) Like, I was like, oh, there it is! (sighs) We actually get a spot of color. And then. Oh, Ah. just the crushing realization.
1: The the literal rug pull after the midpoint scene. Beautifully done. Ah,
0: So good. But then he's like, no! And they like tear down the poster and there's a brick wall behind it. And they start bashing their way through this brick wall to get to the other side. Yeah. Just just
1: two hunks chasing freedom at any cost.
0: Exactly. And they get to the other side
1: and it's space. Oh! And beyond it just being space, the... Bumstead has to be held back from being sucked out into the void of space by Murdoch and the bricks that they just knocked out of the wall hit like the force field at the far end.
0: And then just go off. Right.
1: And then just go off into the outer edge of the Andromeda galaxy wherever.
0: And we didn't mention this, but the, the the stranger that Murdoch basically killed comes back and is like, no, I want his memories. I want who he was supposed to be. That way we can chase him down. And they're like, no, that'll kill you. Yes. And he's like, but I'll learn. Yeah. And so we get this, like, Mr. Hand being creepy, being like, this is who we were. This is who we are. Right. This is who we love. We were married to her once. it's, like, very weird and off-putting. He does an incredible performance. He does an excellent job. I mean, he had good training, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Absolutely, it's true. (laughs) The only thing that stops Murdoch from going absolutely nuts and, like, resisting them saying, telling him to go to sleep is uh, they bring Emma and hold a knife to her neck and say, Uh, Surrender, or we're gonna kill her. And he's like, "No, the woman that I think I love, (laughs) the woman that I found out six
1: hours ago that I've been married to, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I will now submit to your machinations." Secondary antagonist,
0: (laughs) and so he submits, and then they capture him. And basically, what happens is like we. So it turns out all the strangers are kind of a collective hive mind, right? And. They're these aliens that are studying humans because their species is dying and they think that the souls that humans have are what can save them as a species. Yeah, they're the illicit elder brain. Which is a term I'm familiar with outside of the sentence you just said. Oh, sorry, deep cut, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Oh, uh, remember the Mind Flayers from like
1: third edition D&D? The ones with the sure. p- yeah, yeah, cuttlefish yeah. mouths? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great.
0: Got it, okay, all right, all right, cool. Context, appreciate that. And so they're like, huh? Oh, this is the guy he's our he's our brain jesus right he will be he will be what we pour all of our collective consciousness into and that is how our species will be saved right he is our new human vessel that will have hair and be
1: ambulatory and not look dead. Mm -hmm.
0: it's a real yeah real
1: upgrade for them absolutely cosmetically
0: nowhere to go from up really like and uh, honestly, the other benefit is he'll be alive, which is way better than they're used to.
1: Hot body temp, hot blooded.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Pretty flirty and check, fancy friend. Check it and see. <laughs> yeah, right. <He's> got... <laughs> <laughs> but Dr. Daniel Schraber switches the vial at the last minute and instead gives him, like, memories of, like, how to use his powers. Yeah, implanted and, memories
1: yeah. where he's giving him a mentor journey.
0: Which was really cool. And then Murdoch goes full on... Neo in the Matrix, Goku.
1: Neo, take your pick. Yeah, yeah,
0: all, all of it, and basically has a, a brain reality bending fight with Mr. Book, who's been the head alien this whole time, and right. and wins, it's... and then shapes the city to his will. Yeah, he, he uses the
1: psychic engines to reshape Earth. I mean, the floating flat Earth disc.
0: Yeah, and like he 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 creates an ocean out around the end of the city, and importantly. The sun finally rises because it's been a dark city because the aliens don't like the sun. They don't like light and they don't like water. Great. Um, But they finally, which is weird considering that they're squid jellyfish or shrimp jellyfish. Truly
1: the aliens from the abyss. They just want to live in the pelagic zone deep underneath.
0: And the the sun rises and he's like, ah, finally I can get to Shell Beach. Mm Mm-hmm. The end. The the, the end. But uh,
1: he experienced his Neo moment just after they had recombined everybody. So Emma was now Anna and the woman he knew no longer existed. But Anna gets essentially like resurrected. He creates Shell Beach out of his will and the psychic machines. And she goes to the boardwalk. And our last shot is of him exiting and them standing side by side at the blossom of a new romance,
0: yeah, and definitely no uh, power discrepancy in that dynamic at all. I
1: I, I, fa- I fail to see the problem. I I don't see how that's an Edward uh, like <laughs> Twilight Breaking Dawn <laughs> situation whatsoever.
0: Yeah, every, everyone should be able to date God. So, sounds exciting. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, is it Doctor Manhattan? As I recall, that ended up that turned out fine.
1: Yeah, it, barely anyone got cancer. <laughs> yeah, <right>. no, <laughs> what. There, now, yes, there was some cancer, but there was only one person being blown up physically. Uh, and he's on my super. cast list, by the way.
0: Oh, it's That's funny. Yeah, Ooh, That's a good choice, actually. Thank you. But yeah, good. Love it. All right, so yeah, so that's the movie as it exists. I've kind of talked about one of the things that I want to change and manipulate, but before we get to that, what are some of the pieces for you that need to remain to make this Dark City? Like, it's not Dark City without these things.
1: Um, It's not Dark City without... Humans forced to do things they wouldn't ordinarily do and feeling a vague sense of disquiet and regret every time they wake up and don't know who they are or every time they're disjointed from who they thought they had been. So some type of story mechanic that lets people essentially be chopped up and and screwed and remixed into things they wouldn't otherwise have been.
0: Agreed. I completely agree with that. Um, I would have notes as to the mechanics of that, but yes, I agree with that. I also, I like the, I like that they need the mixologist of memory. Right. Like I think that that's important because if it's this alien species not understanding how humanity works, like there needs to be someone who can function as translator. Yes, Yeah, I think that's important. Yeah, like, he, 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 I
1: mean, mixologist of memory, but he's more like the interlocutor of the soul because that's the real question we end up being where John says like, you're looking for what makes us human. You shouldn't look in here. And he points at his head and then he, he avoids thank God pointing at his heart, but right. you, you need some character who's able to able and just amoral enough, even though he ends up being a triple agent to bridge that gap between the alien and the human.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I thought his character was, was certainly the most interesting is like being the, he was the only one who kind of knew everything. Right. And it's a, it, it's a difficult place to be, but it's a necessary place to exist. But yeah, I thought that was necessary. And just the, the big reveal of like Dark City itself, just being a lone city controlled in space, I thought was absolutely incredible. Yeah, that was great. And I, seeing that like, you know, it was mostly computer generated, but it looked like
1: 30, 50, 70 different individual cities, like memories of different megalobuses mm-hmm. cobbled together, which was awesome. Yeah,
0: it it was incredible. Um, I have a weird question for you so they talk about uh, in the movie about how oh man this killer has killed six different women or something yeah and then they they provide us a list of names did those people ever exist we only ever see two women killed and one of them wouldn't have been the six she would have been the seventh person killed right so we see one of the six did the other five actually exist or are they just made up for the purposes of uh, concocting the, the, the memory and the history in the original or in the remake In the
1: original? In the original, I believe that they did exist. It's presented as ambiguous, so it could be either. But given that there's actual human body evidence, probably. And my theory is that those bodies were probably reappropriated with new mixologized memories as basically husks for whomever. Not for the strangers, but for some other poor soul who had to wake up in a foreign vessel.
0: Interesting. So you think that in this dark city in this world there is no real death because the bodies themselves can always be uh reality shifted to be realived
1: exactly and that's sort of what i got from wolensky's suicide because he was so desperate to escape what is basically like a devil uh, hellish karmic cycle of rebirth that he mm-hmm. was desperate enough to jump in front of a train
0: and the only way he could escape was to destroy his body exactly
1: it's so smashed that it's beyond any degree of recuperation i mean with the psychic yeah. machines maybe but at least plausibly
0: yeah. yeah interesting that's a decent thought okay what are some things that you are interested in changing for our remake for uh dark city
1: 2024 thank you uh i think the alien angle is less compelling especially at this point. What I find eternally compelling is the meditation on humanity and it seems like uh, regret for one's past actions. So my biggest pitch is do you you want me to mention writer-director? We don't need writer-director yet because right now it's you. You're the producer. You're pitching it. Okay. Here's my pitch. We aren't in sci-fi purgatory. We are in Preacher Season 2 Purgatory, we are in one of the higher circles of hell where you're not, thank you, you're not mixologizing memories per se, but you're mixologizing different proclivities for actions that people wouldn't normally do. Because as opposed to feeding on human memories or searching for a vessel, the strangers aren't aliens in want of a physical form, they're demons who need the sustenance of pain and human regret. And that is their psychic meat and drink, mm, their literal num nums by which they sustain themselves.
0: So it's <laughs> the good place functioning as the matrix. Yes, the good
1: place functioning as the matrix, and these psychic machines that they only use as like MacGuffins, aren't psychic machines from which anything can be built. They're pain engines within which are housed people, from whose distilled suffering. They're able to actually keep the edifice afloat because if and when those machines go kaput, demons go bye bye because they starve to death. Got it.
0: Well, so then that's. Then theoretically, is that your finale? Because if that is, in fact, they're in hell, it's kind of impossible to have a positive ending for that because no matter what, you're still in hell. Aha! Even... Go ahead,
1: finish. No, please. <laughs> Only if. You don't have a Neo, I mean Jesus, I mean John Murdoch-like figure willing to endure torment because of his deep love for humanity to raise everyone out of hell the same way our original Murdoch created a sunrise and created ultimately a globe of Earth.
0: The only, I mean, I, we can't do that <laughs> that's, that's just Jesus. Yeah, I feel like I see the problem. Yeah, no, I'm not going to, I'm not, as. I don't believe either of us is Christian. No. It feels weird to pitch a Jesus story. No, no,
1: no, no. So in case that was incomplete, Emma in this pitch is the Dr. Schraber role. So she's the triple agent. Mm. And as opposed to us getting a uh, Mr. Smith Neo Sky Battle of reality bending, what we get is Emma, instead of injecting him with the like knowledge of how to utilize reality bending, pulling all of the plugs on all of the paint engines engines, with the exception of one, which is a focus for, uh, instead of distilled reality bending, distilled religious faith, which he has with his little uh, focus, his Medal of St. Christopher. And then, instead of getting the sunrise, what we get is, when we look at Shell Beach, is the tiniest slice of blue sky. John enters the paint engine. We don't know if anything's happened But instead of the red crimson sky, we get the slightest lightning of it to something like our daytime. And that's it.
0: I like the idea. I like the idea of playing with uh, like the true nature of being trapped in purgatory and in hell and and that and just the philosophical nature of it, like really meditating on what is the nature of the soul. Because at the end of the day, that is kind of the core concept of what this movie was attempting to be. Right. Like this movie... For all of everything else that's going on, is an attempt to meditate on what is the nature of the soul. Right. My pitch, in addition Please. to the things I talked about at the beginning, was my pitch was ultimately, uh, for me, this was more a study of nature versus nurture, mm. and what the 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 aliens, the strangers, whatever were doing, were basically taking the nature out of different people and plugging it into different situations of nurture. Yeah. Because what the movie fails to account for is you take the memories and the personality and of someone who grew up extremely poor and you plug it into someone who's extremely rich like that's gonna function differently. you take the someone born into incredible privilege and you put it into someone who's been a persecuted minority their entire life and it it's gonna fizzle out and make no sense and but like like the nature of a person who they are plugged into different nature into different nurtures will provide different things. And that I found to be more interesting of like the ultimate exhibit of how much of who we are as a person is based off of our lived experiences and how much of it is kind of inherent to some sort of supposed core. Yeah. Whether that and, 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 that's the thing that I would see them, like, not as torture, but as genuine curiosity and not understanding and wanting to test. Yeah, and I think the
1: variable, the one variable they weren't able to really wrap their minds around was that human, human consciousness, human soul, whichever word, is socially determined by whom you have around you. And that's what I yeah. think they were trying to suggest with John seeking out Emma, even though she wasn't Emma anymore, because without
0: her, he wasn't him.
1: Got it. Interesting. Interesting.
0: I didn't pick up on that, but that makes total sense. I mean,
1: I think so. Uh, another good example of it is when Bunstead says about his accordion, I, my mother gave it to me, but I have no memory of her having given it to me. And he has this horrible winsome expression on his face as though it pains him to be without that memory.
0: The My pitch for um, and the interesting thing to start us off mm. was, so I gender swapped my um john murdoch and my am i emma murdoch mm-hmm. but the part of the reason why i wanted to do that was some sort of mistake happens like i don't like the movie brazil but the beginning of the movie <laughs> brazil starts with like a fly landing on the typewriter yeah. and like, getting crushed and, and it changes the the, the order right. so like there's a bug in the bureaucracy literally mm-hmm. and so for me it's these two people there's the woman killed on the ground and the guy in the bathtub and the Dr. Daniel Schraber, somehow the two souls, the two memories get swapped and get put in the wrong body. Nice. So in my version, the woman wakes up and has all the memories that the guy was supposed to have. Mm. And so it's like, it's this weird mix of just like, be, be, just because of this simple mistake of someone who was never supposed to have those types of memories and because it's just completely incongruous with who that person is at their core it like that's when everything kind of cracks around her and she starts to like see see the code see the matrix see right. the nature of this reality and is able to start taking out bits and pieces and able to control them mm. because like at the end of the day we see the, like just this simple switch of two vials and how that like at the end of the movie when doctor Schreiber did it on purpose but who's to say that Doctor Schreiber didn't do it on purpose the whole time, right. and has been manipulating everything from the beginning? Right. Like they say, "Oh, it was an accident. It was a mistake. We don't understand." But what if the one person who understands everything is the person who does, and like the one person who's been slowly concocting the perfect person has been pay- taking a piece from here, a piece from there, a piece from this, a pe- to make kind of like this idealized human who's finally able to free all of us from these strange aliens.
1: Yeah, Dr. Schraber from... constructing a Vitruvian man, Jesus. Correct. Right. Yes. I can dig that. It's, I mean, yeah. hey, you know, I, I don't want to t- do any messianic stuff. If that's out, then it's out. But, you know, whatever.
0: I mean, I'm okay with a messiah if a messiah is man-made. mm like, I don't like the idea of someone being born special. That's ridiculous to me. But if if someone has been constructed... It, it, but, like, you can't just start as RoboCop. You have to be built into RoboCop.
1: Yeah, okay, you have to have your limbs blown off first by Red Foreman. Correct. Do, and uh, following question, do you see any man-made Messiah, to use your earlier uh, formulation, as being a poor person in the rich person's body, where they don't know how to act while suddenly being almighty, and they turn evil oh absolutely okay
0: well that's exactly it because like that that i think makes more interesting because the thing i want is like people body shifting all around the characters as it's happening Mm. and to the point where like like body shifting body shifting body shifting and then all of a sudden you have one of the aliens wearing the 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 Inspector Bumstead outfit, or whatever, and like all of a sudden it's like, no, I'm in, like I'm this unseen, un- unknowable force, and I've plugged myself in in order to take control, and now all of a sudden I have, I have that purpose, but I have that purpose on top of all these powers, right? Because they, the movie as it exists now, talks about how whenever they've tried to put human memories in one of the strangers, the stranger dies, like they can't handle it, yeah. And what if? Every single one of the murders had been done because that had, had been like anytime they try to put human memories in one of the strangers, they can't handle it. They lash out on whoever's around, and so the the series of murders was in fact a series of failed attempts of software hardware incompatibility. It's, it's software hardware <laughs> incompatibility. Trying to plug uh, trying to plug U.S. plugs into European outlets. The whole thing <laughs> yeah, electrical it's fire ju- and <laughs> it, it just causes so many fires. Exactly. <laughs> Because, like, at the end of the day, that's what they want. Like, they, like that's what this foreign force is trying to do. Is like, they're trying to emulate humanity. They're trying to understand humanity. And at the end of the movie, it proves that they, it, they are studying the wrong aspect of humanity. Yeah. Because they're just studying the hardware, and they're not studying the soft, like, the, the interconnect— They're not studying—they're studying the computer, they're not studying the web. Right. And if you want to really understand humanity, you just got to look at the internet and it's not good. I mean, look at those
1: AIs that are, you know, sociopathic and try to commit suicide. Yeah.
0: Like genuinely. Yeah. Like that's kind of the thing I'm like, I think we should be trying to emulate of Like that's what they're doing is they're looking at one individual instead of looking at the, the community as a whole.
1: Yeah. And fatally failing to account for that humans, like, was it no man is an island of himself. It's literally yeah. people don't exist in isolation, and those who try to,
0: they tend to go insane. Yes, and, but to, to the point I wanted to make earlier is they like they were looking for the like the the chosen one to emerge, but the chosen one can never emerge because they're an individual. But Dr. Schreiber knows that if we take a little bit from this person, a little bit from that person, and we all as a community contribute a little bit of ourselves, mm. that is how we can truly make Captain Planet. I mean, Captain Discworld. I mean, <laughs> Captain Dark City.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's how we can make Goku, by splicing the micro-kernels uh, of divinity that each human has within him at his best moments.
0: Honestly, yeah.
1: That that That's like that's very uh, idealistic. In a complimentary type way, and I dig it.
0: Cool. I, that that feels earned. <laughs> I I always try to aim for idealistic if I can, because like we have fatalistic just as as life.
1: Yeah, and I mean also look at you. Like if, if you, when Sam starts making really negative, cynical pitches, we all have to be very worried.
0: I mean, at the end of the day, I am. I do have a cartoon dinosaur on my shirt. But look at the but art the,
1: style of that dinosaur. But it,
0: and it says, I'm doing my best. Yeah, you might as well get a t-shirt
1: that says, it has that dog, and it says, everything that firing says.
0: Everything's fine? Hey, this is fine. Everything's fine. This is fine. Hilariously, I have a different shirt that also has a, uh, a, like a like a Brontosaurus-style dinosaur on it, and it just says, all my friends are dead. Jesus so, Christ. Different, <laughs> different shirt for a different
1: day. <laughs> I, I wear that one primarily during the winter.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh. The real great thing about that shirt is a friend gave it to me. Nice. Mm-hmm. Really makes you think.
1: Yeah. How they perceive you versus how you perceive
0: yourself. Yeah. I think they just know I like silly things. Um, But for our movie, for Dark City 2024, what else do we need? What other pieces are important? Like, do you, like, how do you want the final showdown to go? Like, do you want it to be, uh, Goku Jesus versus, uh, um, uh, 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 Frieza Hand. Bad yeah, agent yeah. from the Fr- Frieza book.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that was, I think that was my least favorite part of the movie, is that it, and honestly, weirdly, it ended up being kind of identical to the Matrix Revolutions, where Neo fights Megasmith. Any battle in the sky that we get that reminds me of, like, an Akira Toriyama anime is weak. So that's why I pitched Emma being the triple agent, so as opposed to getting a giant action set piece battle, we get something that puts, a, puts the protagonist to a decision for who he's going to be and how he's going to arc. Because at the end, if we only have one of these pain engines left, and that, that's the only chance to um, raise people out of hell, then the protagonist still has to make a fraught moral and physical choice right at the end of the movie. Which the battle yes. in the sky sorta of just like writes off because I think what Murdoch Motorly says, you're saying I can do anything with these machines so long as I concentrate hard enough? And that's pretty much the throw
0: a line throwaway line that we get, which honestly yeah. was a bummer. Okay. Do you have a pitch or would you like to hear mine? You go first. So my pitch is we kind of are introduced to this alien these aliens as, as like a hive mind that are kind of all working towards the same collective, like understanding and goal. And I feel like the easiest thing is what if we, uh, what if what Murdoch is able to do is make them all individuals is to give them all a sense of individuality. Mm. So now it's not about discovering, trying to find the core nature of humanity it's now they literally have to turn it on turn in on themselves and be like oh my god i've never been an i before (laughs) but all of a sudden who am i and it's uh it's victory through um existential crisis yeah i was gonna say if he inflicts
1: individuality (laughs) on a hive mind wouldn't most of them just like jump off the metaphorical boat
0: i think interestingly some of them would and then some of the like and then there'll be a couple that will be like no why didn't I just save you? Right. And then, uh, like, another one will be like, push. Why did I push you? And just, like, trying to figure out who they are as people. Like, because they've never been people before. They've just been a crowd. They would be toddlers who don't know it's
1: bad to hit their sister yet. Like, on that level yeah. of
0: experimentation. So- sort of. But also, like, toddlers who don't understand that, that not to hit their sister, but also, like, have the self-awareness of, like, seeing themselves being like, why am I having a tantrum right now? And just, like...
1: Yeah. How, how come when I walk in this direction everybody else doesn't walk right along with me because mm-hmm. they are separate entities and they can exercise will.
0: Yeah. Something like that. Because that also fits the nature of the movie that has existed up to, up until that point of like, like them not understanding individuality because they don't experience it themselves. Right. And because they don't understand individuality, they don't really understand community. Exactly. Because their community is nothing but a singular individual.
1: Yeah. It's not I, it's we are Harbinger. I mean, we are the Overmind. I mean, yes. Uh, uh, other aliens. I metaphors. mean, resist I mean, resistance is futile. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. I mean not the Borg. Resistance is useless. Uh, Tom Hardy peaked early. That was such a great thing. Him as Romulan in uh Nemesis. Nemesis. Thank you. Yes. Of course.
0: Cool. What else are we missing?
1: What else do we need? Uh I want an Emma who it feels like less of an empty vessel. I want somebody that,
0: that's that, that is part of the reason why I gender swapped yeah, it yeah. so that we actually
1: have you know and competent Even and if people. we don't like, if we even if we don't go with your exact pitch, at a minimum, mm-hmm. we need an actress who can suggest that like she can exercise a shadowy dimension to her morality. Which is sort of where I was at in uh, my casting choice, where I was like, ooh, yes, you actually played evil and made me believe that you might be that in real life. Versus Jennifer Connelly, who uh, just didn't do that for me.
0: No, and I think that's reasonable. Like, the three movies I've seen Jennifer Connelly Connelly in are this, The Rocketeer, and The Labyrinth.
1: How have you not seen, like, Requiem for a Dream or Inventing the Habits?
0: It seems sad.
1: Yes, Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> it's Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal.
0: <laughs> oh, I don't want to watch a sad movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Speaking of, uh, the, I never watched The Whale.
0: I didn't. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank
1: you. Prove my point.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it seems sad. Yeah. And, I didn't watch a lot of the movies. Yeah.
1: And, and, the Wrestler? No?
0: I've seen The Wrestler. Okay, fair. Um, it's my It's my friend Chad's favorite movie, or it was a long time ago. Sure it's uh i life is sad enough on its own i want to watch if i'm going to be consuming entertainment i want to be consuming entertainment that brings me up instead of brings me down
1: yeah hence guillermo del toro's pinocchio on repeat for the rest of your life (laughs) yeah right exactly Uh,
0: (laughs) this is a separate thing but i watched the oscars and, and that was the one category where i'd seen all of the movies and i'm like that is the movie i actually think should have won the award least but that's fine watching
1: you talk about the oscar the animation nominees was that was great Child kissed or other metaphors as well.
0: Yeah, they're so fun. Ah, there are so many good ones this year. It's a good year for animation, except for all the people who lost their jobs. Yeah, let's be a yeah,
1: minor note.
0: <laughs> so, but yeah, to your other point of like combining Emma with Dr. Daniel Schraber, the other thing I think is interesting is we have one guy. Yep. Who's theoretically adjusting the memories of everyone in the entire city in one night? Yep, and that makes no sense. One man with
1: a heart condition, no less, that he mentions six times.
0: Correct. And what I think is interesting is that so we have Doctor Daniel Schreiber and we have Emma, and I think every other person, including in. Bumstead and Walensky and May and Carl Harris, all of them, I think they should be changing actors potentially throughout the movie. Mm. But I think Emma and Dr. Daniel Schraber shouldn't be. And I feel like that's going to be a big reveal that Emma was also a doctor the whole time. Like, like that, like the big reveal is that because she hasn't changed bodies, she has remained the same. And it's like, oh, oh, you've also been manipulating people this whole time it's like yeah but it worked right and that so because i like your idea and i think we need to have that for something like that like even if we do don't do my gender swap or whatever or if we swap it back i think that it's necessary for some for something like that yeah in
1: the og we're given one pole to revolve around and it's basically schraber he's the spoke at the like you know the, the axes at the Center of the wheel, now, if we had two poles, like you're suggesting, that's a lot more interesting, especially if the body swap mechanic uh is in play because then absolutely everybody is unnerved, including our protagonist at mm-hmm. these north stars of the cast of characters. so yeah. I'm on board
0: in my head, there's like basically three groups. Mm-hmm. There's the strangers, the aliens. There's the humans that are being experimented upon, and then there are the humans who are navigating the experience. They're they're the fulcrum between the two. Yeah, they're the they're the test group. Yeah, they, they, no, they're the ones initiating the test. Mm. They're the ones doing the thing. Oh, Matherson. Like, okay. And like they're, like they're the humans who are basically like being completely controlled, who have no idea what's going on. And then there's the the one percent of them, the less than one percent, who are actually the ones going around and. Taking the cartridge out of one and putting the, that cartridge into... Blowing into it and then putting that yeah. cartridge into to someone the, else.
1: The Geek Squad of Dark City.
0: Correct. <laughs> Absolutely yes.
1: <laughs> the people who come around with AOL CD still in 2024. Uh-huh.
0: Yes, correct. That. <laughs> Got it. And so I, I think our Dr. Daniel and Emma should both be Geek Squad. Yes. And I would like for them to s- expand upon
1: the amorality that we get from the original article to a greater degree, to where we can tell they're using people, but we only get a sense that they're using people for any degree of what could be construed as good all the way at the very end.
0: Yeah. that Then we have like the strangers trying to find the nature of humanity, the humans being experimented on, and the, the, the people who are basically just like the serfs trying to make it work, but their act of rebellion is slow. Like ev- all of them, all the 1% are slowly collecting that little bit of, that, that little spark of, gold or whatever and and making our ultimate goku jesus mm. i'm sorry we're not doing goku this time our ultimate vegeta jesus say that again our ultimate vegeta jesus vegeta jesus yeah <laughs> uh i was uh, uh uh oh god oh man i need the name this this reference isn't gonna work without the name piccolo
1: yamcha krillin
0: i'm leaving dragon ball z for Oh, okay <laughs> Not Yamcha, though.
1: Yeah, seriously,
0: he's the worst. Anyone but Yamcha. (laughs) Okay, Master Roshi. Take it or leave it. Oh, boy. I'd rather puar. (laughs) Uh, Our ultimate Muad'Dib Jesus. You
1: just walked into my world, baby. I've I've been (laughs) refraining from doing the, you know, the difference between a hero and an antihero is when you end the story. That's my Frank Herbert voice, so...
0: Great. <laughs> I didn't know that's what he sounded like. He did
1: not sound remotely like that at all.
0: Okay. Uh, and yet, that's all the uh, the context I have, so it'll just have to be how he sounds like forever. Yeah. Sorry, Frank Herbert. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I'm going to bring people back from the dead, and they'll have weird baby sisters. Yeah. There, there,
1: there will be golas. Don't ask me what that means.
0: Yeah, seriously. Um, but yeah, our our Muad'Dib Jesus. Yeah because it's not Goku, certainly no energy abilities here, but subtly nature, subtly controlling the reality around you and planting things in people's heads?
1: Muad'Dib. Yeah, the access to the other memories of his entire line. Yeah, exactly. Yes,
0: good. Let's start casting.
1: Yeah, you go first.
0: Um, okay, so because, like I said, my John Murdoch, I changed uh, from a, a guy to a lady yes. for the reasons, um, and I wanted someone who is able to just represent joy like at the end of the day like no matter how much reality and potentially a fan base have like hammered them down at the end of the day they as a human being just represent joy and anytime you watch them perform like you should just be like oh right i want you to be happy so obviously the correct answer for this is kelly marie tran go on and that's who i think would really be able to like like capture the spirit and the joy and like can be pulled together and be like just this reflection of just like pure good within humanity and then it just takes the form of Kelly Kelly Marie Tran. Alright. Um hmm. who you would know from Rose in The Last Jedi, she's also in Sorry for Your Loss and she's uh in Riot in the Last Dragon. Wow that
1: yeah that is very plucky. Do you see that as being inconsistent totally where She's so re- it's she's so resilient that we can't think that like they're not gonna they're not gonna kill a lady like this off because like to look at Rufus Sewell you're like oh they they might actually kill this guy
0: that is a distinct possibility and especially because it is Dark City she might be a source of too much light yeah unless she has a fifth
1: gear that we don't know about which I'm here for
0: right but like if if we end up like making her or Emma for example and she's just plays that Jennifer Connelly is just like dower the entire movie and then we finally get to the end and she's like you finally figured it out and like you just like she just beams like brightness it's just like oh my god and so like like when she finally gets sun on her face but yes that would be absolutely yeah that
1: emma role that you just pitched and her being her flipping at the end would be absolutely awesome um and i think it would be a better use of what it seems
0: like her portfolio maybe probably right okay but that said who do you have for your john murdoch Fassbender. Oh, interesting. How old is Fassbender? He's almost like sixty. Definitely should have him date the thirty-year-old uh, Kelly Marie Tram. Uh, he's,
1: you know, he's pickled
0: himself in, you know, uh,
1: tobacco, so he can pass for thirty-five. Uh, uh, uh no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's only forty-five, actually.
1: Wow. Well, he's uh living hard, I guess. <laughs>
0: He is 11 years older than Kelly Marie Tran, which actually isn't as bad as I thought it was. If he was 60, I'd have said hard no, but since he's 45, it's not quite as bad. Yeah. He is married to Alicia Vikander. Good for them. Yeah. Um, why did you want Fassbender?
1: So, when I look at Sewell in the original...
0: Okay, this is, this, sorry, this is weird. Alicia Vikander and Kelly Marie Tran, so, like, Michael Fassbender's actual wife is the exact same age as Kelly Marie Tran. I'm sorry, continue. Aha!
1: Ah, vindicated <laughs> honestly <laughs> um,
0: when I look at Sewell in the original I see somebody
1: it's like you know it's Hollywood so he's not he, he's gonna be hot but he's not like obnoxiously uh, Marvel level hot and his look and the way he plays it expresses a vulnerability and an openness that you would need to find from somebody who's supposed to represent like a, a vessel for for all that humanity's multifarious possibilities and sure. I think Fassbender is one of the few leading men who's been able to uh, inhabit that type of openness in particular in thinking of totally different subject matter, but uh, shame where he plays a sex addict, but somehow he seems needful and almost innocent. Got it. Okay. Interesting.
0: Since we're kind of mixing these two up a little bit, who did you have for your Emma role?
1: Oh, you'd never ask. Ava
0: Green. Oh, why do I not immediately
1: know who that is? Uh, Casino Royale, Money Penny, oh. also, and this is why I picked her, Penny Dreadful, and spoiler alert, uh, at various times in Penny Dreadful, she's pursued and/or possessed by the devil, who literally wants her for his bride. So she goes into these fits, literally like Reagan from The Exorcist, where she's possessed. So there's inherent ability to project some type of malevolence that i would love to see from the emma character that went totally unexplored beyond a throwaway i cheated on you and you're mad mm-hmm.
0: yeah i i want to get rid of all of that by the way i cheated on you and you're mad stuff is dumb yeah i mean it was 97 like a little out of yeah, date i know yeah yeah we, we didn't bring it up because but uh, yeah it's dumb the because i did the switch uh my emma was an actor named uh jacob Scipio. Uh, who I recently just saw in The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, but he's also in Bad Boys for Life. And <laughs> as a fun little twist, he's also a voice in Bob the Builder. Right. If you don't remember who he is, and if you've seen Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, he's the the, 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 the the bodyguard. Yeah. And he's great. But what I think we should do is I think we should do Michael Fassbender for John and then Kelly Marie Tran for uh, Emma. Yeah, we can lock those in. So then that brings me to Dr. Daniel Schraber, who is the only other person who I think needs to be static the whole movie. Because as far as I'm concerned, literally everyone else has the ability to be a bunch of different bodies. Yes. For Dr. Daniel Schraber, I was like, I kind of need just like a weaselly guy. Kind of the person who's like clearly getting pushed around, but like in the back of their head, they're like, but I'm the real smart one. Mm -hmm. You, they'll see. They'll all see. And that's the sort of performance you get from him in Renfield, The Great, Mad Max Fury Road x-men blah blah, blah 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 yeah like his, <laughs> okay <laughs> i mean as long as we're casting uh magneto may as well get beast yeah but yeah it's so like i was like yeah the, the, the good good weasley kind of guy i can see it but like at the end of the day is like we think he's gonna be just like the betrayer of humanity but like turns out he's one of a number of people who are also not completely evil right and it would be satisfying to see from somebody
1: with the weasley look that he's the most magnanimous of all
0: yeah the the secret best character when you're watching mad max fairy road kind of thing yeah and and he'll tell everybody witness me i mean there's hope for humanity yep exactly as, as he sprays uh gold silver chrome memories on his mouth <laughs> yeah right atomized human soul <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh who did you have for uh for the good doctor wow talk about polar opposites ben kingsley Wow! Yeah, that is yeah. <laughs> Okay, here's the reason why I like Ben Kingsley. I want to imply that he's been doing this for a very, very, very long time, which he has
1: been acting for a yeah. very long time.
0: The reason why I think we should go with Ben Kingsley is to imply that this whole experiment has been going on since he was a like he, this is and like his uh, Muad'Dib Jesus uh, experiment is something that he's been trying to put together for 60 years yeah he's the bene Gesserit of this whole sitch exactly but also not evil they're not evil they just have a plan for
1: humanity
0: uh-huh uh-huh and how uh how well has that worked out for everyone else who's had a plan for humanity i mean
1: pretty great i mean
0: how, how many what's 61 billion victims when you're Muad'Dib? it's true <laughs> um but yeah i think ben kingsley's an interesting idea nice. I, I think ben kingsley's a good one let's let's do ben kingsley okay Okay, so that brings, I have, I have a bunch of people for this one, actually. Uh, That brings me to Inspector Frank Bumstead. Yes. And for all of these, if we do end up switching people around, I think these are the performances that we use as, like, the base of, like, this is who we originally see as the character, so it's who we, like, learn who they are. Mm. And then, like, other people are kind of, like, doing their mannerisms and performances as as we move on. Okay. So who did you have for your Inspector Frank Bumstead? Idris Elba. I mean, that works. I literally just watched Pacific Rim two nights ago. Uh,
1: what well, speaking of Guillermo, one of his finest.
0: Yeah, it's so much fun. And I keep running into people who turn who turn out don't like that movie, and I'm like, they're all wrong. That movie's fun. you the only word movie opinions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Like well no no. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm saying it's fun and sometimes that's enough. It's kaiju.
1: What what more did yeah. I say?
0: Exactly. You are you weren't a child growing up watching uh, Gundam as you, you didn't grow up watching Gundam let me have this. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. You,
0: you didn't grow up
1: watching Genesis Climber Most Pieta that they told us was a third Gundam series.
0: Yeah, yes. Oh, man, you didn't watch the one where uh, a horse, there's a horse Gundam and it, it's run, it's uh, controlled by a horse. I don't acknowledge that, run. <laughs> That's, I like that. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> uh, I'm the king of hearts. My, my, my weird spandex turns gold for some reason. Sam, Sam as Marge. I just think these little ports are neat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not even talking about Chibi Gundam. I definitely watched that. Yeah. <laughs> that one's the one that's weird. Oh. oh, man. Chibi Gun! I fucking watched it, but it's so strange. It, 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 it's, it's bizarre. They needed a counter-program, ham- or they needed something to pair with Hamtaro, and I guess Chibi Gundam's the way to go. Yeah. Peas, carrots, peanut butter, chocolate. Ab- absolutely. Um, so, my Inspector Frank Bumstead, because I wanted a, like a grumpy, grouchy old man, mm. but who like, has a heart of gold yeah. when you really get to know him, and at the end of the day, that's just Dr. Cox. Okay. So I went with John C. McKinley. Oh, that would, be such, that, that would be his Oscar
1: reach. Where he's just like, yeah. I am, I am swinging for the fences, and I, uh-huh. I dig it.
0: Yeah, I'm like, I, I feel real good about that one. Yeah, that's solid. Awesome. Uh, I remade The Rock for the last episode, and part of me was like, I really wanted to use John C. McGinley for The Rock, but he's already in The it's, Rock, so I can't reuse him for a remake of The and Rock. And it's just him
1: being buff and yelling like,
0: "Yes, sir!"
1: in response to dropping the ball.
0: Yeah, it's like. There's so much John C. McKinley until we eventually get him as Dr. Cox. And, like, every single one you're like, you're going to be Dr. Cox someday. Yep. It's going to be great. Every single time I'm just like, you deserve more. Watching The Rocket 95. More. I'm seeing you in a Dr. Cox type role. It
1: just seems like a Honestly, great part for you.
0: You see him in office space and you're just like, Oh. Yeah, I mean, look at you doing this. But what if you did this in a lab coat? Yeah, him as Teddy
1: Roosevelt. What if you did this whole man of action thing as an attending doctor?
0: <laughs> yes, exactly that. Uh, good. So then I have uh, Mr. Hand and Mr. Book. But let's start with Mr. Hand. You want to go first? You went first for the last one. my turn to go first. Okay, go ahead. I wanted, I wanted someone who's interestingly charismatic while also being intimidating. Yeah. Oh no! I'm so sorry. That's what I have is my Mr. Book. That's weird. Oh, that's right. My Mr. Hand. I wanted like my Mr. Hand is just creepy. Okay, I was going to say creepy dude, but creepy dude, but very capable actor. He's in Chernobyl. He's in Dunkirk. He was in the Eternals. He's also in Banshees of Inisherin. I went with Barry Keoghan.
1: Oh, really?
0: Go yeah. on. Yeah, because he's an excellent actor. Right. He's done some amazing things. But, but like at the end of the day, like he plays a creepy dude really well. Yeah. And that's what Mr. Hand is. He's a creepy dude who's like embodying what he thinks a human is actually like, but is it? But in the in the worst possible way.
1: Yes, I think. A he definitely has a chops for it, especially based off Eneshiran. I worry that he doesn't look depraved enough.
0: Well, we give him a bald cap and spiky teeth. Okay, fine. And that's what prosthetics are for. You make <laughs> him look like an alien. Yeah, we're we're gonna give him
1: horrible bags under his eyes. We'll sort everything out.
0: Yeah. Who did you have for Mr. Hand? Gary Oldman. Uh, I mean, I can't deny that Gary Oldman is literally capable of playing every part.
1: Yeah. Gary Oldman, circa Leon, the professional type performance. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If it were possible to get Gary Oldman, circa Leon, the professional, I'd say yes, but you're th- worried think he'd be darkest hour. Gary Oldman. Well, I also think he needs to be younger. Yeah, that's true. Like, I, like theoretically, like, i i think that if we have an old mr hand then we don't get to have the juxtaposition of an older mr book mm-hmm. okay which i i think is more important
1: i defer for young master Keogen in this in this case
0: yeah uh but who is your mr book
1: i had ian mcdermott the the emperor palpatine
0: oh yeah what else has he done other than being the emperor
1: Honestly, I think that's it. I think he's like an Alan Rickman type, where like I mean, it's possible. A lot of theater, couple film roles.
0: Yeah, true. And he he, it's the voice of the emperor. Like he is, he is the emperor. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. Of course. I went with a slightly older gentleman, and who who also himself might be a little bit too young. But this is the one where I was going with. Can come off as jovial. He's the guy in charge, but then just can like flip a switch and you're just like, this is what's about to happen, and you're about to be terrified of me. You do not understand. I'm the fucking person. No, he's he's going to heavy it. Uh, yeah. And so I, uh, I, I've seen him in Bullet Train. I've seen him in Godzilla vs. Kong. He's in Atlanta. I went with Brian Tyree Henry. Interesting. He might not be the right choice for Mr. Book. He actually might be a better choice for Mr. Hand. Actually, you know what? Let's do that. Let's do Ian McDermott for Mr. Book, and let's make Brian Tyree Henry our Mr. Hand. Ian. I think that's a little bit more fun. And then I have Walensky, May, and Carl Harris. Do you have those, and is there anyone I'm missing? Stromboli, but he's in there for five seconds. But you have someone for that? Yes. Great. That means it's guaranteed to be yours. Nailed Nailed it. Remind me who Stromboli is? The the chief inspector who who
1: talks like this and tells Bumstead to lay off.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Alright, so before we do that, let's talk about Walensky. Okay. Because I don't think I don't, let me go first, because I'm pretty sure we're gonna go with yours. <laughs> I went with Walensky because it'd be someone who we'd be really sad to see die. Right. I went with someone who c- kind of in the same, like Kelly Marie Chan, kind of like someone who's just like represents a lot of joy and like has struggled a bunch, but like, we just want him to be happy <laughs> and to watch him like completely fall apart. I think it could be a juicy acting role, but also uh, we're like, no! Masioka! No! <laughs> So that's what I went with. I went with Masioka. Okay. But I, I, I don't think that that's, uh, I don't think that's what we want for this role. I think that's a little bit too light, especially if we're doing that elsewhere in the movie. Yeah, if it,
1: if it were written as a character who isn't already off the deep end, yes. But given how far yeah. gone, Walensky sounds like still isn't our remake.
0: Yeah. If this were a TV show and he was starting and then we get to see him degenerate, sure, but not for our version. But, so tell me who we will actually be going with for Wolensky. My
1: pitch was Jackie Earl Haley.
0: Tell me about Jackie Earl Haley.
1: We only know him from the the Zack Snyder version of Watchmen where he plays the real life Batman, Rorschach, who is grown up in a a brutal home and has become the avatar of social Darwinism, uh, but is also the only superhero uh, who retains a shred of morality. And for that, he gets spluted by Dr. Manhattan, (laughs) (laughs) just absolutely
0: blown up. Dr. Hatton make Warshak us explode. Yeah. Yes. Good. He's had a bunch of other roles, but like he, that's the thing that I also know. Him yeah, from. he Like is. he was in a couple episodes of Narcos. He's in twelve episodes of The Tick, playing a character called the Terror. Apparently, he was in ed- eight episodes of Preacher. And yes, that's a. I can't believe I forgot that. Remake of RoboCop. Oh yeah, he was in Elite Battle Angel. Yeah, I think that's a great choice. Absolutely good. Good pull. Thank you. Uh, Who's your May?
1: Um. I went with Margot Robbie. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> Your, uh, yours? I, I, I can see you doing that. So I wanted someone who can do the... I also saw her in Bullet Train. I want someone who can kind of do like the... the because she dies. Right. And I want her to then be able to, like, be embodied by someone else who comes back. Is like, if she gets embodied by one of the strangers and, like, comes back and, like, starts killing shit and, like, wrecking shit, I want someone who can kind of, like, play innocent-ish since she's a sex worker. Although we don't even need to have her necessarily be a sex worker. She's just someone who helps uh, John Murdoch and then is later killed. Yeah, minor ally. Like, she's set... Yeah, she's set up to be a victim, isn't a victim, but then is killed anyway. Hmm. But then she comes back and is, like, Completely, right? like, badass, crazy, like, completely different personality. And I cast this actress because, like, just her face is very... Like, she's very pretty, um, but, like... She 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 was the one who played the princess in the movie the princess the one about like the badass princess who's like kind of taking control of herself I don't know if that movie was good I never saw it me either but, like <laughs> just, just the concept of and the portrayal of I think is a good idea she's also in the Act and in Bullet Train she's very very good like she like that that's literally the kind of character she plays in Bullet Train Bullet Train is a foundational text for you man absolutely it's <laughs> cool. it, it, and th- this actress is named Joey King mm, let me, me double check the face to see if she has the if it helps she's also in The Conjuring
1: oh. Yeah, absolutely. There's something about her that says, I have a third dimension, which is capable of destruction.
0: Which, again, is the character she plays in Bullet Train, but she does it well, and so I think that kind of works uh, for this. Yeah. Before we get to Carl Harris, who is Stromboli? Oscar Isaac. Done. Ooh, that's fun. Thank you. Oscar Isaac's
1: Circa Drive, where he's a reprobate minor criminal.
0: You can't do Circa, it's how he is right now. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm sure you can find that again. <laughs> he, he could find
1: somehow. Palpatine returned. He can find this.
0: Good. So then, let me tell you about my Carl Harris, Go on. who I've seen him perform, but he's not like a super memorable actor. But I kind of got him for that role, of, like just kind of an older act, older character actor who's been around, who's been a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit this, a little bit that. And I don't know. I like finding interesting actors that otherwise wouldn't get mentioned. This actor was in episodes of Bob Hart's Abishola. He's in a few episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but, like, he's also been around, he was in the original Rush Hour back in the day. Uh, This actor is named Barry Shabaka Henley. Oh. Just an older older black actor.
1: Oh, yeah. First of all, yes, because I didn't have a pitch for this one, and secondly, that's interesting, because I would love to see his avuncularity, especially if in our remake we turn it to he's not just a kindly old man.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, yes. What happens
1: when that guy gets repossessed by a new personality?
0: Well, in the version we have now, it's, like, he functions very well, and he, like, he, he in the version of the movie as it exists now, he's a man disabled, he's in a wheelchair, but he's, like, functioning, moving around, he's like, alright. Like, it's someone who's at the acceptance level with his handicap, and when it's a new personality, I would make it someone who's not at all at the acceptance level, who's still at anger, or even denial. Nice. And is trying to do things, and, like, and like kind of it's taking it out on everyone else around him mm. i hate the thing of like taking someone who's handicapped and all of a sudden making them not handicapped anymore by just changing their personality or i don't know all of a sudden uh, dr uh, professor xavier can walk around it's so great oh we're in his memories um but i think that for this character it's not that we're making it so he can walk now it's that we're at a different level of acceptance of the disability yes and i, I think that that would be interesting cool So, are there any other actors, or is it time to move on to writer-director? Time to move on to the important people behind the camera. All right. So, why don't you start with writer? Tell me... First of all, did you have a separate writer and director, or did you have a hyphenate? Separate writer and director. Okay, cool. Tell me about your writer. You know him. You love him. You know he's available. Aaron
1: Guszczykowski. Oh, I don't know him. Tell me about who this is. Prisoners, Raised by Wolves. I don't know anything about this guy. Rationale for him is... Prisoners, best Catholic theologically influenced film I've seen since The Seventh Seal, which ties into my pitch, obviously, but also he's shown a pretty good mastery of sci fi tropes and noirish inflected stuff throughout Prisoners and Raised by Wolves.
0: And he's currently working on Untitled Space War Project. Aha! And also The Wolfman.
1: Ah,
0: we'll sleep that one on the rug. <laughs> Interesting. Yourself? Yeah, I never heard of this guy. <laughs> um, I went a little bit more A-list with mine. I want someone who has readapted older stories in cool and new and interesting ways while also being incredibly stylized. Like, we know him as the stylized guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so that's why I thought it would be really interesting to get the mind behind Pushing Daisies and American Gods and Hannibal and Star Trek Discovery. Brian Fuller. Okay. But I love... I love a cool and interesting take. I'm more interested in going with Aaron uh, Guzikowski. Okay. I think that is a more interesting choice, and I like it. Nice.
1: Thank
0: you. So, let me tell you about my director. You have not heard of her. Okay. As far as I know. This director does does a lot of her work in TV. Um, Like, she's directed episodes of, like, Wheel of Time and Stranger Things and Westworld and Jessica Jones. But, like she's become a director after having spent a lot of time working as a cinematographer mm-hmm. and a lot of what this movie is is like interesting camera shots and like kind of knowing and needing to know what we're looking at and how to frame the darkness in an interesting way yeah. like we need a good cinematographer who's able to like capture nuance within shadow right and so I thought having a cinematographer director would be really good she was also a cinematographer on Walk Hard the Dewey Cox story and I'm like fuck yeah oh, that alone yeah that Laurel in uh, because like and forgive me if any of these are your people, because like some of the obvious choices are like Drew Goddard and Ryan Johnson and even Denny Villanueva, uh, or Denny uh, Denny Villanueva, because like they all do interesting noir or dark takes on stuff. Yeah. And I was like, I I feel like those are the obvious choices. Let me find someone unexpected. So this woman's name is Uta Brisewitz, B R I E S E W I T Z. Uta we'll Brisewitz. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just thought, something interesting, something, show us something we have not seen before. Right. And that's what we want with The Dark City anyway.
1: Okay, you gave me Gushkowski, I'll sign off on that one.
0: Well, I want to know who you had. Was it one of the three people I just said?
1: Yeah, it was Villeneuve. Villeneuve, however you say it.
0: I mean, I figured that that was, like, he was basically who I had right up until the last second. Like, he's the reason in my list he's the third one, because I was like who else are you going to get? Yeah. Like, he, he is very good. And a part of me was like, we probably will do that. Like, if this was like, they needed the money and they were like making sure that this movie like had to get made, it would be Denny because that's how the movie gets made. Yeah. And I think if the studio was completely in control, that would be the best possible option of the things that they would pick. Yeah.
1: They they would bring out Uda for screen tests to try to lower Denny's asking price. Correct. And,
0: or they would just get her to work as the as
1: his cinema. <laughs> yeah, or that first unit AD. Yeah, I picked uh, Denise simply because of the Guzikowski collaboration prior, because something about what they were able to capture in Prisoners was something I had never seen before. And yeah, the thing that makes Dark City special is it's something that most people, self included, hadn't seen up to that point.
0: I mean, at the end of the day, like if we want the guy to make a Muad'Dib, apparently you go to Denny.
1: Yeah, I mean. You you hire Timothy Chalamet and are just let and give interviews about how he has very aristocratic features.
0: Yeah, and you are. I mean, you, we already know that he works with Oscar Isaac. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, like if, if this was truly studio, truly based on the money, that that would be the correct answer. But if we want to do something weird and unexpected, not necessarily good, it might not work. But uh, I, I don't know. I like veering off the A list path a little bit. I mean, at the end of the day, the correct answer is. Denis Villeneuve as the director, Uta Brechowitz as the cinematographer. That's what actually should
1: happen. Yeah, as his Roger Deakins, who can make shadow seem like it
0: has mass. So that's what we'll do. Ian. Yeah. Okay, so let me take you through Dark City 2024. John Murdoch will be played by Michael Fassbender. Dr. Daniel Schraber will be Ben Kingsley. Emma Murdoch will be Kelly Marie Tran. Inspector Frank Bumstead will be John C. McGinley. Mr. Hand will be Brian Tyree Henry, and Mr. Book will be Ian McDermid. Walensky will be Jackie Earl Haley, Stromboli will be Oscar Isaac, May will be Joey King, and Carl Harris will be Barry Shabaka-Henley. All of this will be written by Aaron Guzikowski, directed by Denis Villeneuve, and cinematographed by Uta Breischewitz. That is Dark City. Connor, you gonna go see this movie?
1: I'm going to go see it about as hard as the nerds who waited outside to see The Matrix on opening night.
0: Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah! Just cool. just
1: terrorizing the the, the 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 poor GKC employee who's waiting outside, being like, "We don't have midnight showings. Go away! I told you." We'll, we'll wait until you do. I'll, I'll I'll force you to. I'll be here 24 hours. Oh man, you're gonna waltz in for the matinee showing, exactly. 450 <laughs> it sounds like my price thank you <laughs>
0: uh this will be fun uh i'm excited so connor thank you very much for being a guest on my show this was this was fun my guys bro thank you for chopping it off this is great yeah and thank you for making me watch a movie that i otherwise might not have seen which was also delightful uh, wait wait
1: wait, hellraiser voice we have such sights to show you young
0: sam so this movie was like, des- speaking uh, of <laughs> this movie was described to me as like matrix meets hellraiser <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Um, And weirdly, I don't watch horror movies, but Hellraiser was playing at a party I was at, so I have seen parts of Hellraiser. Yeah, the 14 minutes before you, like, I have to get out of here, and you just left the party. Well, one of those things where I was like, I'm going to position myself so I don't see the TV, but occasionally I'd be like, well, there's a person without skin. That's fun. Yeah, but the person you were talking to is wearing glasses, so you could see it in your... You're joking, but that is true. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. Cool. Connor, so before anything else, uh, tell audience about anything that you want. Do you want people to follow you on social medias? Is there anything you'd like them to do? Plug stuff. Oh,
1: I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not a social media guy, so I don't have anything to follow. The only thing I'd like to plug is Half Price Books. I had a really wonderful experience there last week. The workers were oddly knowledgeable and were able to find me $4 copies of Thomas Pynchon. So I've basically just been riding that. Now, that'll tie me over a good month. And so, so this, is a bookstore,
0: this is a bookstore specifically in Chicago? No, 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 no They're all around. So
1: like it's, it's, it's pretty much nationwide. So to, to widen the aperture, if you have discount bookstores, just patronize them because they got a lot of good stuff.
0: Good. I like that. And specifically in LA, there uh, there are a lot of good discount bookstores that you may not have heard of. There's one specifically at Chandler and Coenga that I'm blanking on the name of, and I'm going to look up right now because we should give them our business. The Iliad. If you want to support a local bookshop, the Iliad is a really good one. Are they specializing in like Homeric type stuff, or are they just like, this name is... I just think it's fun. And I think they have like a, an oceanic vibe printed around the store.
1: Ah, uh, in. And...
0: Yeah. Uh If you're interested in following me, I unfortunately am on social media, and unfortunately, one of those social medias is twitter and I'm very sorry uh i ha- I'm a late adopter to all social medias, but I should move over but I'm on twitter at sam gash s a m g a s c h or you can follow the podcast at ideal remake on Twitter, but mostly on Instagram, which also isn't great, but you can follow me there, but it's the really the best place to follow and join and be a part of the conversation and uh tell me what we did wrong or what we should do better is to go and join the Dueling Genre Discord. It's great. Or if you're like, I don't really want to do any social medias, but I really want to support this podcast that I love, is you can go on Apple Podcasts and you can leave us a five-star review. That is how people discover the podcast, and especially because I'm slow, I'm off my hiatus now. Like, things will have dipped. A review would really help it go back up. So that would be wonderful. Thank you. And so uh, I will end this podcast the same way I end all my podcasts. Connor, what is your yeah. favorite quote from the movie Dark City?
1: I'm being punished, aren't I? Great. Good. That, that's me as doing poor man's William Hurt. I got nothing else. Yourself?
0: <laughs> ah, man, I don't know. It's just a small child growling. Not
1: not when he says kill him, but when he just makes the noise. <laughs>
0: and like for some reason, this small <laughs> child has like weird spiky teeth. It's all very strange. Wasn't that great? No, he, he should not be. There. He, <laughs> he, break, he breaks the he, he breaks the rules of the movie. He's just there to be creepy. Yes. Um, no, I said I said my favorite quote at the beginning. We use your dead as vessels. That was really good. It's like, oh, okay.
1: <laughs> okay. I, I didn't think this is the movie I signed up for. Mm-hmm.
0: No, it's good. I like it.
1: We did it. Podcast. Thanks, Sam. Have a great time.